Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And every week we review a new show or movie on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, or some other streaming service. This week we are going to review The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix. Before we do that, though, we're going to do a little bit of listener feedback, and we're going to do a little bit of what would normally be news, but we're going to do some reality TV catch-up because I enjoy finding out what the hell is going on in reality TV, which I do not watch. But um, yeah, so in terms of feedback, normally, or I think what we're hoping for is to get some emails at originalcontent at techcrunch.com, and that can be feedback about what we review or about the work that we're doing. Uh, We don't have any email this week, but we did get a comment on the post, which was from PJ Lenny, and it was, lol, exclamation mark, stop, ellipsis, don't review film. You all sound like you're completely stoned and do not understand storytelling. Where's the ellipsis close? Can you just Is there a close ellipsis? Daryl has feelings. Oh wait, ellipsis. Not no oh not I'm not bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, wake up. Oh man. Sorry. I know how you feel about ellipses. You and Devin are like, stop typing ellipses. <laughs> well, they, they're a threat. They're usually a threat when you use them in, in <laughs> I don't think of them that way at all. I think of them as like, this is how I convey my natural tone and intonation via text. See, to me, they're like dark matter or like or like a black hole. You're like, like something goes on in there, but we don't have the instruments to determine what it is. So it could be anything. It's full of potential. And that's risky. right. 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 It's a void of mystery. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, mm, I don't know. I don't know what's packed in those three little dots. In in this case, I think it's pretty clear, this comment. Um, yeah, yeah. That one is definitely it is a threat. threat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's threat level midnight over there. Are you kidding me? Well, thank you, PJ. Appreciate it. Hope yeah. you tune in some more. Have a great day, son. I'm curious, like, what part of the episode they were responding to. Was it, like, 30 seconds in, they were just feeling this was absolute garbage and they had to stop? Or were they just big fans of the Red Sea Diving Resort and they just thought we missed what was amazing about it. And they were really, you know, genuinely upset. I think it's more about how we talk, myself especially, but maybe also a bit <laughs> Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, uh, but it's a, it's a stylistic thing. And some people aren't attracted to it. And I actually had to realize years ago that some people aren't into my on-camera, on-screen, on-stage delivery. And that's okay. That's- but enough people are that it's fine, that it's good. Not even just yeah, fine. Yeah, I mean, also, also, I'm not like whatever, right? Like, I'm I'm out here doing my best, and I have a very dry, kind of monotone way of of doing things. And you're either on board or not. And PJ, I respect the fact that you're willing to just hop in those comments and shit on us. I mean, good for yeah, you. Oh, yeah. your style. No, it's it's so, welcome. To each their own, right? I mean, and Daryl, you have a very timbrous voice as well, so I think sometimes that can come off. Um, a little bit like bored. I know you're not bored. It's even keeled slow. It's a little bit ponderous, I would say at times. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but it hides this anger, this this tremendous anger, which I love. There is a seething rage just beneath. There's then... so, there's so much fire under there, man. <laughs> it's a secret. It's an ellipsis, is what it is. Your voice. <laughs> 
And I'll let listeners in on a little secret, which is that the version that you hear is actually probably five to 10% less rambling and awkward than the actual <laughs> recording. So you're getting the cleaned up version. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Anthony spends time on it. When I used to edit it, I did not. So you got the true right. ramble. You literally set the <laughs> levels and put the music in and published. Yeah, I was real concerned about the levels, though, and 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 cleaning up some of the noisiness and stuff. But I did not do that much to take out the ums and ahs and the walls. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Anthony. Well, <laughs> we are going to continue reviewing movies. So sorry about that for everyone who doesn't enjoy it. Not but sorry. we are genuinely interested in feedback uh, in terms of ways you think we could do the show better or yeah. areas that you'd like us to focus on. So again, original content at TechCrunch.com. But also no criticism about being high. Like people can get high. That's fine. It's cool. Sometimes they're very entertaining high. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a whole genre of television dedicated to people who are high. Like what? Also, not saying that any of us are, but just like no, yeah, but let's, we let's could come be. Come up with more. Like, I, all I ask, honestly, with the feedback is that we like use our adult words. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to name call or say stupid shit. Just like you know, say what you actually mean. If you think we don't understand yeah. storytelling, that's fine. You can. That's a good that. one. That's yeah, a nice. Like, that's a clear criticism. Yeah, exactly. That's Although, give us an example of what we didn't understand. <laughs> Anthony's offended by that one way more than the stoner thing. <laughs> well, I know that, yeah, there's things that we're not going to fix in terms of people. Some people don't like the way we talk. I, I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to be. Um, but, you know, if you think we have, you know, dumb things to say about movies, cite an example, for example. For example, okay, yeah, okay, that now now I'm really floundering. Let's move yeah. on to <laughs> reality television and Bachelor in Paradise. You betcha! Don't say it with a question. Mark. Yeah, you say it with it's three exclamation bit. points, ooh, followed by ooh, okay. the threat of Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> um, Daryl, you're caught up, and Anthony, I assume you've stayed away. I sure have. You haven't been binging it. Mondays and Tuesday nights all summer I have, long. I've never seen an episode of, of The Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise or, or anything. But I do actually sometimes enjoy that reading about the discussion online and, and having like a vague sense of what's going on. I would love if like one on one of our, our biz trips when we're all together for me, you and Daryl to sit down and watch an episode. I think that would be fun. If it just coincides. Yeah. Like we don't need to like we can work hard watch. for it. But yeah, if it if it just works out, we should definitely do that. Okay, let's do it. Let's catch up a little bit. I mean, I guess my first question, Daryl, are there any standout characters or couples to you after these first six or so episodes, seven, eight episodes? I'm not really sure. Yeah. So I've seen six. There's eight out. So maybe you've seen two more on this. will like render all of my feelings about the good couples. Right. Well, things change quickly out at, at the, out, out at the beach, but yeah. Well, I mean, the big the big thing was the Derek and Demi stuff, right? Which wow. quickly changed. Yeah, I have quickly. lots of lots of thoughts on that. How did you feel about? So let's just catch up the audience because I know you guys care deeply. Derek and Demi were a couple. Demi is from Colton's season, I believe. I don't know where. Derek I think so. From. Yeah, maybe Becca's season. Or Derek's. Yeah, he's older. He's been around. He was on a Bachelor in Paradise previously, and he's a he's a fan favorite. He's like Jim. He's he's basically Jim from The Office, but a little more rugged and handsome, lovable, handsome guy. Um, 
anyway, they they start dating and and whatever, and it looks like it's going well. But then Demi reveals that she has been dating a girl back home and that she's bi and that she's really conflicted about her relationship with Derek because she keeps thinking about this girl at home, Christian. And it goes from being shared with her like girlfriends on the beach to being shared with Derek and the other guys. And then eventually it works its way to Chris Harrison. And Chris Harrison's response was, well, she she, she sets, seeks out to find Chris right, Harrison, right, right, right? Right, which right. is key because yeah. Chris Harrison feels like very honored that she's felt comfortable. Oh my god, with yeah, Chris it's Harrison. Like, oh, it's hilarious, right? Like it's wokeness, a la like two thousand nine. It's the weirdest theatricalized. Yeah, it's in a in a as a play, a play in three acts. It's it's, it's but it's literally it's ten weird. year ten year old sentiments towards these things. Like we're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, okay, I, I need to be careful here. So coming out is very important and special, and it can be incredibly nerve-wracking and anxiety-riddled for many, many people. And to do it is very brave. That's just period at the end of that sentence. That's true. Um, and it's also nice to be gracious when someone comes out to you, for sure, and to thank them for their courage and all of those things. But it just felt very performative in this instance. So I'm not saying that the yeah. actual words were wrong here but I did not feel any meat behind those potatoes, so to say. Right. But, then but on the other hand, weirder. that's like all of bachelor, right? Like bachelor is of all course. a facade that's, that's art, that artfully created and there's not really substance behind it. So it's kind of like they did it in the most bachelor way possible, but they did it. So right. how much criticism do they merit for that? I don't know, but they definitely merit criticism here. And this is, this is the next point. It gets, it gets more bizarre. After revealing that she's been dating someone back home, Chris Harrison's reaction is to bring Christian, her girlfriend, to the beach and to change the rules dramatically so that a girl can give another girl a rose. Now, right. I take issue with this, and here's why. When any other character were to come either to a regular season of the bachelor or bachelorette or to, you know, even bachelor in paradise, I get it's a little bit more fluid in bachelor in paradise fluid. Uh, that's not the right word I should be using. It's a little bit less uh, strict in bachelor in paradise because they're all trying to find love and date each other. So there aren't as many rules around like quote unquote monogamy because they're all supposed to be testing the water. So I understand that piece, but like if it was a dude who said, I have a girlfriend back home, Chris, and I'm really struggling with my relationship with this girl here because I've been dating someone for a few months and I'm probably in love with them. What should we do? A hundred percent, Chris Harrison would say, go home. Like, yeah, yeah. Go that, home. that would be a big, a major scandal. A huge scandal. He would be shit on for months on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But so so like while I'm very happy for Demi for being able to come out and do it on live TV and all of that stuff, I'm just really sicked out by like the use of the LGBTQ community to for Bachelor of all things. Right. Like I, I Bachelor's trash. It's probably bad for society. I still partake and I'm like a a, a participant and I, I, I suck for that. Whatever. But like this felt like it crossed a line for me where I was like, I don't like that 
double standard and that use of the community and, and people's vulnerability, even by Demi, to be honest, to like bring someone on the show and be like, oh, I want to explore my relationship with Christian here on TV where I can become famous. It's just like, right. oh, I hated it. I also get the feeling, the distinct feeling from Christian that she's not entirely comfortable with that. Not even a little uh, bit. Aspect of it at all. No. Right. And she's doing it out of essentially like love for or like a sense of obligation to Demi, right? Because she seems to genuinely care yes, about Yes, she her. does seem to genuinely care about Demi. And Demi seems to genuinely care about her career, which is kind of like the, the fascination I have, I feel like, with Bachelor, which is like I constantly find myself imagining the like backroom secret conversations where they're like, I'm going to do this so that you can get some airtime. Like, you know, like, let's cause a scandal. Like, I just feel like they're always actually plotting for their Instagram influencer career post show, you know? Right. And that's what, like. I don't think that's overly conspiratorial, given the, the people. No, no. And given, like, their extra bachelor and they're activities. they're actually, like, right? getting more and more open about it. Like, you'll hear them talking about, like, oh, post show, blah, 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 like. Oh, they talked about that damn festival every single chance oh, no. they got. Stagecoach better be getting paid, right? Like stagecoach. <laughs> stage they coach. have to be like making money or paying money or something off of this. But um, yeah, just some some bonkers shit. I'm also really enjoying. This is kind of like lesser headline than the Demi thing because that really fired me up. But I'm actually really enjoying watching Christina just fucking stir the pot and sip tea all show long have you gotten far enough to see all that her intro clip is fantastic and at first i was like i guess she kind of like is mixing some shit up like the hot tea thing yeah and then but it didn't seem that appropriate and then as the season has gone on i'm like oh no christina's she's just literally shit. That's yeah all she's, she's here just to here to fucking get in between people and cause problems i'm but i'm all about it like she's a fun villain to watch um I feel like that was like like the for me she she was before like a very sympathetic bachelor character among all the characters. Well, with what like happened and with then, Dean last year, and Dean kind of like yanked yeah, her yeah. around and stuff, and she came back with a vengeance. So now it seems like she's out for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I've been destroyed by this this stupid enterprise, and now I'm going to burn it all down around me, which is wonderful. Scorched earth approach coming from Christina, which is fun to watch. Yeah. I feel conflicted about John Paul Jones. How do you feel about, about that character? (laughs) I I don't know. He's, I find him lovely. I'm worried that he's done some weird shit in like the episode, the most recent episodes, but like, so far in the first six, I've found him fantastic. He's like, um, he's like that character in the previous seasons, Daniel, the Canadian, but a little oh, bit yeah, less toxic yeah. than Daniel because he's, yeah, because he's more like, I'm just like a surf dude, and I don't really have any like negative aspects to the my the vapidity of my personality. Yeah, but I actually don't. Whereas think Daniel had like. Like, I think that John Paul No, no, he's not vapid. He's just a California boy. He is a California boy. And he has, like, he's almost like a golden retriever of a human being. Like, he just wants to jump and, like, have fun. And, like, oh, the waves are splashing, you know? Like, I just feel like you could throw a ball and he'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best day ever. But 
I also feel yeah. like he's pretty layered and he's got some stuff going on underneath there, which you'll really get a taste for in these next two episodes. And I also think he's just got some really interesting like character, not character traits, but just traits in general. Like he's got an incredibly sensitive stomach, but he likes to eat almost anything. So he'll eat something and then... Oh yeah, he does keep throwing more up than constantly. Once, like it, <laughs> it's like stop eating things. <laughs> if if you if, if you're gonna puke on camera over and over again, stop eating random shit. Like, be careful about what you yeah. eat. But how much of that is in the edit? You don't know. Maybe everybody's <laughs> puking. Horrible food. Um, and then he also yeah. is like very open about crying in the in the most recent episode. You'll see Blake is sitting next to him with his arm around him, and John Paul Jones just will not stop crying. And at a certain point, Blake's like, "I don't know how to be here." You know, it's funny enough oh. to watch men comfort each other. Let's but... talk about B- Blake Ooh, yeah, for okay. a minute, though. So, like, because Blake did his own fair share of crying earlier on. Um, but like, but I he got also... Blake crying then. Blake Blake's arc was insane. Yes, but like What's I that? I didn't have any like first of all, let's just do like all of our due diligence here. Like it's fine for men to cry and like blah blah blah. Like that's great. Show your emotions. Blake's crying at the end of Becca's season when when she left him or dumped him or whatever. Like I didn't have I, I was like that's I I want to cry for you too. Like it should have been you Blake. Like you loved her. Like I was so invested and Blake following that season. I don't know if you felt that way, but I just felt like he was one of the best bachelor contestants ever. And he just was sweet and open and cute. And he just, he had so many things going for him. I really liked him. And he is probably, he's I don't probably think I the most that unlikable human being on this planet right now. Like that's how I, yeah, so that I agree with, and th- but this is my only oh, exposure to Blake. Him, period. Like you don't even have a good memory of him. Yeah, he's just a monster. That's too bad. Right. But he and and he really is like, I, I in watching this one, I've described him multiple times as like like he seems like he's genuinely psychotic because it, it, the antics that he gets up to, like, the dancing? like his his. Well, yeah, and his and just his like broken kind of like response to things when he's like called out for his like shady shit, and then he's like, "I just don't, oh, oh, oh," and he like, it's like so weird and cartoonish, and like it's it really seems like the behavior of someone who is like, I don't understand these emotions, but I've done enough research to figure out these are the ones I'm supposed <laughs> to present, and so I'm going to over present them. I don't know about that. And it's a little bit scary. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I mean, again, because I have no other experience with him, I'm just like, this is a scary person. He should not be on this. He's a sociopath and does not need to be on this. Program. Maria thinks he's a sociopath too. I don't, I'm not sure if I think he's, I, I think he's like cusp, the cusp of a sociopath, and that you're right. He does, he's way more manipulative than he seems. He's like definitely trying to like understand what's coming at him and do his, it's like a game. Like he's playing his best defense offense all the time. Um, but I also, I think it's fair in defense of Blake to be like one, he did, he fucked up big time because just to fill in the audience here, Blake slept with two girls on two nights back to back, uh, or like one each consecutively, um, not both, both nights. Um, and they were both bachelor contestants, both of whom were coming on bachelor in paradise with him. And then he 
started dating. And this happened at Stagecoach, by the way. At Stagecoach. It happened at this thing called Stagecoach. I don't even know what the fuck that is. But anyways. (laughs) Then he flies to Alabama to date another girl who is also going to be on Bachelor in Paradise. So we're up to three now. And then when he arrives at Bachelor in Paradise, he asks out yet another girl, Taisha. So he gets himself into a situation where he's come on to four of these women, all of whom are on the beach together, all of whom talk. I mean, it's just simple. It's really simple, straightforward stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with promiscuity, but you have to be an adult, mature human being to pull it off properly without hurting a bunch of people and embarrassing a bunch of people as well as yourself. So he really screwed up, but he is getting slammed man just left and right particularly now that the show's on but like during the 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 taping as well i mean i understand him being broken and just being like kind of down and he's trying so hard to come out with some positivity but the sociopath part really shines when he's trying to make a connection with a new girl because he does the same dance move with all of them He's like, let's dance. And he does this weird yeah. swing dance. It's all over they all his talk Instagram about it. too. I don't know if you've ever visited his Instagram, but he's dancing with like seven girls with the swing dance. Like it's just, he loves how he looks swing dancing. It's one of those things. Like, have you ever seen that episode of the office where Michael's jeans come back from dry cleaning and Pam's like, I don't know what it is, but he loves the way he looks in those jeans. And you see him like on top of desks and like, with trash cans on his feet, like, just doing crazy stuff. That's Blake with swing dancing. Yeah, um, it's it's something. It really is yeah. something. The show is just insane, and I can't wait to see what happens. So, Dean, did you see this part? Dean left. Dean was dating Kayla. Oh no, I didn't see that he left. I mean, he came back with his creepy ass mustache, and he was like, "Hey, Chris, good to see you. I don't have a home. I, I don't have bed. a job." I got this mustache. I'm a, I'm a great candidate what? for happening? lifelong love. You know, like what what what's happening with you, Dean? But then he came on and he was like, I like Kaylin. He started dating Kaylin. He also was very upfront about the fact that he was like, I can't be Dean from the last Bachelor in Paradise. Last Bachelor in Paradise, Dean was Blake, but like so much more muted. Like he just had two girls that he kept seeing yeah. the whole time and he hurt both of them. So bad moves for Dean and he seems very cognizant of that and aware of that coming into this season and he's like I'm gonna pick one I'm gonna stick with one and he picks Kaylin and I actually thought they were pretty cute like I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Kaylin's but I do want wish for her happiness and for her to find someone that that likes her and just to stop crying she's always crying so I, I want Kaylin to be happy and yeah. that all seemed to be working out and then Dean was like I don't think this can be what you want it to be at the end of this and so i'm gonna leave and he leaves and then in the preview for the last episode for the one that comes on monday you see him coming back with his with his mustache shaved and telling kaylin he made a big mistake <gasps> it's gonna be good man. <sighs> yeah so that's gonna anyways, be good. i don't want to take up too much of our time with bachelor in paradise but i'm glad that we got to recap it a little bit i mean do you have any final thoughts on on what you expect or want from the rest of the show no, I mean, I think this season has been um, really good. I think there, there, there was the weird thing with um, what's his the the guy ugh, starts with a J or something, but he he had a, like a physical oh, yeah, alter- altercation with the one person, Jordan, and that was the one kind of like yeah, the one sour note where it descended into kind of like it's more 
base tendencies. I mean, beyond again, the, the Demi storyline is definitely rife with kind of like problematic stuff. But um, that was another part where I was like, Oh, you're kind of feeling like bachelor in paradise at its sketchiest, but overall it's been mostly compelling. And yeah, the, and the fight thing was interesting. Cause I, I mean, so Jordan came in and started messing with this dude while he was on his little one-on-one time. And he took the pinata fighting over a pinata. <laughs> yeah. They started fighting over a pinata, which turned into Jordan body slamming this guy. So yeah, that's he gave him an arm lock that, and then just slammed him down like off of a platform too. It was, yeah. Like, it was a bad. Hard, like he could have broken his back. Like it was bad. Yeah. And then the guy understandably is very upset and like wants so badly to punch Jordan in the face. Like he's running all over the beach trying to get away from like six producers just to punch Jordan in the face. And I kind of felt bad for the dude that got body slammed. I mean, you should always respond, like, you know, turn the other cheek. Violence isn't the answer. You need to like, let go of that. But I understand to an extent, if someone body slams you or punches you in the face, it's your natural reaction. It's like fight or flight. You're either running from that or you're yeah, yeah. attack back. It's just what your body wants to do. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I felt bad that he got kicked off because Jordan came and fucked things up and body slammed him. But I guess it's for the best. For sure. But also easy, easy. Right. And they did, they did a good job of like filming them explaining like, Oh, we have to do zero tolerance. We have to do zero tolerance. So you all have to go. And everybody kind of like accepting that, which was again in, in one of its better modes when it, after it's done the thing where it incites violence, it's like, that's the best you could possibly do to answer that, I guess. Or like, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, that's plenty. It's a good season. Can't wait to watch the rest of it. Anthony, I'm sure you love that. It's just like... I uh, feel like I don't have to watch it now. So in that sense, it was great. Uh, let's move on to our review of The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, which is a new show on Netflix. It is debuting on Netflix today, uh, the day that we're recording. And it is a prequel series yeah. to the film... The Dark Crystal, which is a movie that Jim Henson made in the early 80s. Daryl, you've seen the movie many times. Yeah, yeah. It was like definitely. So I looked at it. It actually came out the year I was born, I guess, to give everyone my exact age. But like um, it. So I guess it was already it was already probably like, you know, at least 10 years old when I started seeing it or, you know, six or seven years old or something. And then. I but I just have like memories of watching it repeatedly as a child and then again, you know, a little bit later to like remind myself of of what was special about it. I feel like there is a certain um population for which that is the case. Like it's, it's that's where it has its kind of like cult following. It has a similar following um to kind of Labyrinth, right. the the David Bowie movie. Yeah, they're both Jim Henson movies. Yeah, and also the other the person who worked on I forget who the artist is, but like he he was the key artist on all of this too. Like the person who did all the character design and stuff. Um worked on both. But yeah, there's 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 similarities. And part of it is uh, I wish I had the thing of in front of me of what the guy's name is. But yeah, this this fantasy artist who came up with all the character designs that then like Jim Hempson and, and everybody else turned into the puppetry. Is, is common between them, which is why there's kind of similarities. But um, yeah, it, it was 
great movie. I have very fond memories of it. It's one of those things where you're like, when you watch it now, you're like, oh, I watched this as a child. What effect did this have on me? Because there's some pretty serious content going on in there. And I think that was surprising to to the audiences at the time. Like from, for a Jim Henson joint, basically, it was like, oh, wow, what's going on? You're really exercising some demons in this weird ass movie that no one really saw coming from you. The Muppets guy or whatever. I should say I looked it up. It's um the artist is Brian Froud. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's F R O U D. Yeah. And he right. does these very yeah. sort of distinctive looking, I guess, dwarves and fairies. And so Age of Resistance is a prequel series to the Dark Crystal. And I haven't seen it. I don't think Jordan's seen I mean I haven't seen the the films. And I think you can you can kind of go in without having seen the film. Um and and it, you know. There's a lot of mythology and there's like this opening segment in the first like three minutes of, of the first episode of Age of Resistance that I've had to watch three times now because I keep forgetting stuff from it. But I don't think you need to have seen <laughs> the the film. Um, and, and so the basic setup of the show no, no, is don't. that it takes place on this other world called Thra. And I'm going to try to minimize the like crazy fantasy terminology that, that we use in this review because we'll just sound insane and confusing if, if we use too much. But um, so there's this planet called Thra, and the main group of um, you know natives there are, are the are the Gelflings, who are basically elves. But at some point, these like crazy evil bird people called the Skeksis came in, and they kind of tricked the the guardian of this world into going and and sort of wandering the stars and they took over and have been ruling over this planet for many years and they've been abusing the sort of source of power and magic and life the the crystal um the crystal of truth which is the dark crystal of the title and so what the show basically starts out doing is it follows three of these different gelfling characters as they slowly become aware of you know this really bad shit that's happening and start to go on these various quests and missions to try to bring down the Skexes, right? I like to call them Skrillex. <laughs> the Skrillexes? Sure. <laughs> the various Skrillexes. Uh, I think that's that's a great synopsis. I think the, a, a note about kind of like how, like the, the interesting thing that, about the original and about this one is that um, Henson and, and like the creative team behind it came up with a world that is like, it's it's at once sci-fi and fantasy. So like because it's an alien world, um, it 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 is divorced in almost every respect from like a Tolkien-esque type fantasy, like high fantasy, um, which which allows it a lot of interesting creativity storytelling wise, right? Like there's the you don't have any of the analogs. I mean, there's there's some rough analogs, but you don't have like. Oh, there's orcs, obviously, and then the, and the Gelflings are kind of like elves in physical appearance and stuff, but they're also like the humans in terms of like their population or like their their abundance on this planet or whatever. Them being the main kind of like people um, in this series, and so there's no direct equivalence, which which opens up a lot of the stuff so that they don't have to be like so trope dependent or whatever. And I, I think that's nice, especially if you're coming, f- you're a fantasy fan and you're coming from a lot of like the heavy, heavily Tolkien influenced fantasy. Uh, it's nice and refreshing to have something that has like 
oh, like what what's going on here? And who are these people again? And what's their relation to each other? And you and there's no easy kind of like shortcuts to go through. Um, it does mean that, like Anthony said, like it's hard for us to reference all of the different types of people and like what their roles are and everything um, in talking about it because there's a lot of establishment and, and world building that goes on that in the show you just kind of absorb as the episodes go on. Like they don't dwell a lot on like, this is this person and this is their relation to this, whatever. And this word means this. It's just like, like through repeated use, you kind of get like, Oh, I see how these things kind of link up. Right. Jordan, how did you feel about trying to get up to speed on all the fantasy stuff? Yeah. Um, so I, had to i watched the opening sequence of like that first 90 seconds that's narrated there's like a lot of exposition done um there and i watched that like two or three times because i felt like damn these are a lot of words that i don't know i don't i don't know where i am or what what's happening i see puppets like i was so distracted by that opening sequence that i was having trouble actually comprehending the information i was being given so i watched that a couple times that's about all I did in terms of effort to follow along. Um, I don't know, guys. Like, here's the thing. I think that the show <laughs> Here we go. the show has an interesting premise <laughs> and has potential. And I also realize that there's like a nostalgia factor involved with with the puppets and the story itself, right? From I mean, the first time I searched for it, it came up with like the whatever, the nineteen eighty two version of the Dark Crystal or the the i guess what would be the yeah. following iteration of the story um and i i'm sure that that's like really powerful to the people who are feeling that right like that nostalgic pull of the heartstring i just don't have that at all and so it took what could have been like i feel like an interesting story epic fantasy thing and the puppets like just I'm sorry it just threw me off so much like they either have too much or not enough emotion and it was just very upsetting to me the first time the puppets kissed I was really grossed out like I, I just <laughs> I really struggled that was my question because it's so similar to Star Wars I feel like where you had a very similar reaction right like and and so do most people who didn't grow up with any Star Wars is when you watch the originals, you're like, this looks like some jerks made it with some cardboard. And like, why, why is it so hokey? Right. And I don't, I can't undo the puppet thing. So to me, it's like, this is a real accomplishment, what they've been able to do with these puppets in a modern setting, because I already have like the, the affection for the original with the right. much worse looking puppets. puppets right? are puppetry. good. Like it, it's good. It looks good for, for the fact that it's like puppets plus CGI, which is like, whoa, random. Um, but it looks good. And there are some really cool, interesting shots. Like there's a scene where one of the characters is like flying through the caves and stuff. And I was like, damn, that is epic. Like that's super cool. But it couldn't, in the moments where it's like dialogue heavy and they're using like words, I don't know. Like everything has a name. There are like a billion characters. All of them have weird names. Every like group of people yeah. has a name. Weird and weirdly similar names yes. too. They kind of sound because they like rely on the same set of like 
um, yeah, yeah, vowel emphases or whatever. So you're like, I don't really is this That's one this Brea one or and Rion and and yeah. Dia. Yeah, and I, like, and I, I can't follow all that. And then all the different groups have their names, and all the cities <laughs> have names, and the lady who guards the crystal has a yeah. name, and like all of the individual Skrillexes have names and like, I just can't, I don't know who anybody's, I don't know what anybody's talking about the whole time. And I'm trying to, I'm like, well, maybe the emotion of the conversation will draw me in, but it's like a blinking puppet. And I'm like, well, no, that won't work either. So I'm just like, I just found myself really, really struggling to watch it. You guys, I really did. I think that's a good point too, about the emotion. Cause like they, they'll have these scenes and the puppets faces are, severely limited in terms of what they can do with the the skexies it doesn't matter as much because they're mm-hmm. reptilian or bird-like um it, it also doesn't matter as much because they have a, a very narrow range of emotions like their yeah. emotions are anger yeah like they're just all on the evil side of the spectrum and then or or they're just being disgusting there's actually one scene in, that opens one episode where they have a feast that i Made the mistake of like I I had just purchased a burrito and was eating a burrito <laughs> and I'm like oh I'll watch more of this show and I was like this is disgusting this has actually yeah. put me off my my meal which is good like I think that's what they were going and for the, but the snot nose uh, bad timing for, Skrillex for me. Um, that one was yeah the snot nose Skeksy is not you got Skeksy is such a fun word to How, say I feel it, like, does yeah. it have an R in it or not <laughs> does it does it or does it not have an R no are you guys sure I think it's no Skeksis. no 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 it's Skeksis one of the names of one of the Skeksy is Skrexis oh or something because so to get into the naming oh like one of the things that's nice about the original versus the new one is that it's a much more simplified world um, for spoilery reasons but also in the new one so they also one of the beautiful storytelling things they did about the original which i feel like they complicated somewhat in this one is that the skexies there's a there's a very limited group of the skexies and each one is named the job they do and then you're like oh okay that's just what their name is right and they kind of do that here but then they also tend to call them by a second name in some scenes and you're like what's going on right because like one of the Skeksis is a scientist, and he's just scientist, and that's what you should call him. But then they 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 refer to him by either a pet name or maybe it's a, a name for Skeksis that Skeksis use among each other. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, and then I and then I get distracted by that, and I'm thinking like, do they all have names or whatever? But like mostly they're just called what they do. And the funniest one is Chamberlain because it's like. What is a Chamberlain? <laughs> what is that job? I don't know really, but I'll go with it. So according to Wikipedia, the, yeah, each of the Skeksis has their own name. Like the Emperor's name is Skekso. The Chamberlain's name is Skeksil. Um, the Collector's name is Skeklock. And yeah, it's just right. so unnecessary. Like they should definitely just be called by their names. That's definitely how I think of them. And it gets really confusing when they start talking to each other in that way. Um, so you, I definitely just yeah, try yeah, to yeah. think of them by by the job names. Um, and so, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about like the the puppeting thing as a downside for you. And and I agree that for the dialogue scenes, for the emotion scenes, there's just this fundamental element that I kind of can't get over. That I like when 
particularly when it comes to yeah. romance, like just cannot buy the idea of two puppets in love with each other or not so much buy it, but I just can't get emotional. Team America it. world police. <laughs> right. Remember when they yeah, do their, yeah. uh, and it's, <laughs> the I mean, and they, just they make it funny, together. right here. You're actually supposed to care about these yeah. like romantic relationships. And I don't. And, and so I, I agree in that sense, but I think the, the flip side of that is, is to me like the story is good, but not amazing. And, and I have like some of the reservations from just like, boy, this feels like fantasy word vomit sometimes. But what I do like about it is mm. just the technical execution that it just doesn't look like anything else. And and even though that comes with some downsides for the emotion is just there's just a lot of holy shit. How did they do this? And, you know, when you see the Skeksis and then the monsters in particular, there's like a giant spider later on. There are these like weird I, I guess I shouldn't describe it, but like there's just a lot of weird monsters and things that you I have no idea how they pulled it off, but because it has this Yeah, you know, and that but in any other movie now it would be CGI and, and it might be really good CGI and, and I might still like it, but the fact that they did it with, you know, puppetry is just mind blowing and it just gives it, you know, this very, very different feeling. So there there is always this slight like element of cuteness. So like nothing is there's like even the scariest like giant spider or killer skexies or whatever still is slightly cute which is maybe a little bit hard for the um for the action and 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 thrill scenes but but there's also something interesting about that that even when you see like this monster come out and eat like a sympathetic character that it that it doesn't look like just a scary cgi monster but has this slight element of of like hand this slightly handmade quality i like that that was one of the problems i had was like i agree that everything was like slightly cute but also like i i struggled to find like characters and creatures that like i thought were actually cute like the gelfling are obviously like the most uh empathetic i think like just in terms of the way that they look because they're very human-esque right i mean they have wings and stuff and slightly different facial structure but they're like basically pretty very yeah. humans yeah yeah they have the biggest like eyes them. based on the rules of like disney's rules of <laughs> personifying animals and stuff like that <laughs> they, they follow all of those right um but then all the other things that were supposed to be cute were also kind of like ugly like i don't know i didn't i didn't think any of the pod the podlings i guess were like kind of cute but not like super cute and then there are a bunch of like bug type creatures and obviously the Skrillex are nasty looking. Um, and it was just like, I want like a cute little like Fox to run by, but it's always like a, a slug covered in a shell or like a horse that looks like a tick, <laughs> you know, it's like, why, why can't we just have like, I don't know, something cute. And then, and then the other thing I think that bugged me a little bit, and you guys know this about me, I don't like, I have I struggle a little bit when like genre and content don't meet in a way or like um the content and the and the execution don't meet like there were some really dark bits happening in the show that the puppets really threw me off of like there's a scene where they're like I don't know if I should say this maybe it's a spoiler but it's so dark and intense and then it's all puppets and you're like I 
You're thinking of a death scene, right? Or or is it the there's also a torture scene that you might be I'm not about. thinking of the torture th- scene. I'm thinking of the a uh, death scene of a very empathetic character and then the way that they go mm-hmm. about disposing of the body, I guess is a way to put it. Right. Um and then the fact that they have someone who loves that character watching on like was very intense and dark and upsetting and but it's like puppets too. And I'm like, I don't know what, what do I, how do I, how am I supposed to feel? Like I, I just, it was very confusing to me emotionally. So in that they're, they, they echo the, the emotional effect of, of the original, right? Like that was also what people felt about that at the time. Cause they were like, what's going on? Like, why is this puppet movie have this darkness to it? Like this quality. And that so i think like that is like not um an error like that is like hey this is what made that original special and why it why we're even here today now doing a um modern interpretation or follow-up to the original was because of that quality had it just been a straightforward puppet movie or whatever it would have been forgotten right it would have been like this weird foible of time but then gone but because it had this dissonance in terms of like tone and presentation, it was weird and then became a cult classic. Right. And then, and then has spawned this kind of follow up. So at least for the creators, I imagine that's, that they were intentionally like, okay, we need to have this darkness. This has to be present. Right. I think the darkness was fine for good or yeah. for worse. I don't know. Like, but it, I do it, find that it, it, it still felt a little bit, all over the place to me tonally and and to be fair like i mean you brought up star wars earlier and i do think that in some ways even star wars has that kind of weird dissonance where you know literally you see the charred remains of luke skywalker's relatives in the first movie but you also have like cute robots making jokes and somehow we go with it and and i think Probably there's something about the puppetry that makes it a little bit harder to do that and makes it just feel more cutesy. Because there is cutesy stuff. There is stuff that makes this feel like it's for kids. And then occasionally way more dark shit happens. And it feels like there, there are definitely moments where I was wondering, who is this for? Because I you know, feel like I'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions um ultimately I, I mean i don't think it like was a fatal flaw but I, I agree that there's something distinctive about it but it also felt a little bit off with me and i i sort of struggled with it too yeah i mean i i think i think people will i think that's gonna be a, a, one of the characteristics of this and i think like for me that's to its credit right because it's like this is a different kind of content i think it is family oriented still in the same way the original was family oriented and it has some tougher parts, but I don't think that's a failing. I think that's like, okay, this is, this is interesting and should be good f- for its audience to be challenged in this way with this kind of thing. Like, cause I, I think they do a really good job of it. If you're going to present these kinds of concepts to younger audiences, this might be the better way to present them. Um, like they, I just feel like they they treat the approach seriously and like and I, I know that and are doing it consciously as opposed to um, haphazardly. But I do, I I think it'll definitely be uh, controversial, right? I think it'll definitely be something that the audiences strongly react to in one way or another. 
So something else I wanted to touch on um, was the cast, because like you said, Daryl, this cast is kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> just So just among the Skeksis, first of all, um, the Emperor Skeksis is voiced by Jason Isaacs. The Chamberlain is voiced by Simon Pegg. Yes. The the like the really disgusting, I think, snot nosed uh, Skeksis is voiced by Aquafina. The general is Benedict Wong. Uh-huh. Um, the scientist. Wait, do you, if you guys haven't looked this up, who do you think voices the scientist? Oh, I know already, but I knew immediately because he's he he does another iconic voice, which sounds very similar. I don't, I don't know or care. No, not even. <laughs> it's Mark <laughs> Hamill. It's it's um it's oh, Luke wow. Skywalker. How funny. Although, what he, he sounds like is um he sounds like his performance is the Joker. Yeah, yeah. He did the Joker in the original Batman animated series, and you know he's he's one of uh, probably the most favorite Joker, depending on there's which a fan certain kind of reads, hipster but... fan who will say, actually, it's not Jack Nicholson or <laughs> Heath Ledger. Mark Hamill is the best Joker, which sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but it also has Toby Jones is one of the yeah. Skeksis. No, he's not a Skeksis. He's a he's a he's the librarian. Oh, um, oh and then oh, like. Okay. Sigourney Weaver is the narrator. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is the Almadra, who's basically like the queen. Um, Taryn Edgerton is one of the heroes, like the hero guard. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is Brea, the the princess. Natalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones is the... um, the, the underground Gelfling who like comes up to uh to to you know warn the the surface world of of the danger. Don't forget our other Game of Thrones uh superstar. Yeah. Lena Hetty is Madra Farah. Eddie Izzard, Theo James. And Andy Samberg the, is in Keegan it. Michael Key. <laughs> yeah, Andy Samberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh Bill Hader's in it, although I Alicia, Alicia it Vikander. Oh, yeah. Bill Hader's in it? He plays somebody called the Wanderer. I don't know who that is. There's a lot of the something, the verber <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird Does anyone world. stand out to you as like particularly good as a voice actor? I knew I recognized voices, but I couldn't pin down a single one of them. But I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Well, like I, Mark Hamill and Harvey Harvey Firestein. Um, I, I, you know, I even thought Harvey Firestein was maybe Mark Hamill just doing his thing in a different octave. But then I looked at the thing and realized they were different. But they both are are good and i think exactly perfect for those characters um yeah i don't know who was uh you mentioned uh the one who plays the general he's really good too benedict wong benedict wong because like i just felt like that was really good for that character um playing off of his like stentoriousness or like like with them because they're so like each Skeksy is supposed to be like, I'm this type of thing. And this is all I do. And I'm very like focused on this role. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in those voice roles to like really embody that. And, and when they're done well, they're done really well. And I think uh, Benedict Juan is, is one of the better ones in there. Um, also the guy who played the archer. I don't know that actor. Um, it's like, a yeah, I don't know. Swedish. Olafur Dari Olafsson. I don't know that. Oh, Actually, I do know him because he was in. Wait, is he in this? I don't know. He, oh, anyways, come back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was in Lady Dynamite. He plays in Lady Dynamite. He plays um, uh, her like fiance and and 
eventual uh, husband and he he was great in that but um i didn't know who he was you know other than that so. he, but he he does a wonderful job in this too i i it's it's a this is for me i i imagine like this series was like anybody who was a voice actor would be like oh yeah this is the thing to do it just it's like such a uh, it seems like such a fun movie to voice act in but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, also Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones is in it, For and sure. um, Ralph Innocent, who was in a yeah. few seasons of Game of Thrones, is in it. So there's a lot of Game of Thrones representation here. Um, I would say, like, the Skeksis, and particularly Mark Hamill, have the sort of most fun performances, but they're also kind of... You were kind of alluding to this with how kind of one note they can be, and it sometimes feels like they're all just shouting at each other. So when this, the Skeksis scenes go on for too long i'm kind of tired of them by the end and it man that's what skeksis do anthony they just yell it's not a question about that's how skeksis realism this is a question of um or believability it's just you know like that that like banquet scene that you're talking about by the end of it i was just oh come on man i'm ready ready for some gelflings ready for some (laughs) monsters i just want something that's not you know various characters shouting at each other did, did we forget to mention that Sigourney Weaver is in this? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the narrator. Yeah. I mean, ugh, it's insane. Insane. Well, I mean, and one thing I think that's cool about the way they do the credits is um, if you watch the credits at the end, there's usually two people listed playing each role. And so they're listing um, both the voice actor and the puppeteer. Uh, we didn't mention any of yeah. them because none of the puppeteers are famous. So that's less yeah. reading off the names is less exciting. <laughs> But, um, but they I, will I, be after this. They absolutely deserve a lot of credit. They did. <laughs> They're big they, they, they did amazing work. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it it is fantastic. I'm. I, I just don't think this is going to renew the kind of puppets are everywhere now. Puppet trending. TV and film. Right. Industry. I think. I just. I think it's a nice gesture. I don't think it's going to turn the tide and and make puppeteers into celebrities yeah i think you're right um yeah i i would say like i i feel like are we at our our final summary yeah because i just uh in, in terms of my i'm like five and a half six episodes in so i had a trajectory with this where i think similar to both of you i in this start i was kind of i i think i rewatched that intro segment to try to get some of the lay of the land because i again watched this when I was younger a lot, but didn't really remember the makeup of like who is everybody and how do they relate to one another. Um, and again, I don't think you need to, to have that information ahead of time. Like, but you do need to attend, you need to pay attention to this to get the most out of it. And it took me a while of watching it to kind of like settle into that. Cause it's been a while since I've been a very attentive watcher of basically anything. Okay. Um, again, kind of just like, well, I don't know. I just, I, I usually am doing something else at the mm-hmm. same time, whether it's like scrolling Twitter or whatever, like something on my phone. Writing blog posts. And for this, I found, yeah, we're writing blog posts because uh, he got it. He got to write the posts. But I, I found that as soon as I was able to finally actually concentrate and watch them through solidly without interruption, I got so much more enjoyment out of them. And it, it built to where I was, like at the end of the, my, at the end of the episodes I did watch, I'm all in on this. Like, I think this is fantastic. I have no complaints about it uh, anymore. The complaints I did have early on were 
due to my not giving it the time that it needs, the time and attention that it needs um, to to make an impact. And again, part of that is probably also that it like reignited the part of my brain that has fond memories of the original. So I don't think that's going to be everyone's experience. So I'm not saying it's like, if you didn't like this, it's because you didn't pay attention to it. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, I do feel like it benefits a lot from, from um, not, not multitasking. And that's probably true of all media. So I don't know. But it's great. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Jordan. I I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they're probably, yeah, it's like PJ, you know, like maybe PJ will like it, but I didn't. It's just, you know, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you kind of get my vibe TV wise. This just isn't in it. That's all. Yeah. Um, and I would say that I'm definitely on the pro side. Uh, I definitely had some reservations. And I think some of the things that Jordan brought up, I had similar troubles with. But for me, they were ultimately more quibbles than they were deal breakers. And I feel like just visually, this does not look like anything else except, I suppose, those Jim Hansen movies from the 80s. And, it, and, it, and those are not things that I have any nostalgia for. I mean, I've watched Labyrinth once. I've never watched The Dark Crystal. And even so... Once I sort of got over the hump of getting used to the puppets, getting used to, you know, the kind of pretty intense fantasy storytelling, uh, I was definitely, I'm really happy I watched it. Um, I'm, so I'm about halfway through the season and, and I'm excited to, to finish it. And then I'll probably watch The Dark Crystal for the first time. So that'll be fine. Um, yeah. And you will be blown away at what, what, what kind of, where it goes. It's the most dramatic what season to the world? yet. That's from Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> On the next <laughs> Freshly Um What else? Let's see. Uh, if you want to share, like this is coming out today, which is Friday when we're recording. So tomorrow, by the time you hear this on Saturday, it will be out. So if you wanted to check it out and let us know what you think of The Dark Crystal or any other upcoming shows that you're excited about, please do let us know. And also, if you are in the path of Dorian, stay safe, be smart. Everybody stay safe over Labor Day weekend. It's tough to follow that, but I will also mention that we are reviewing Carnival Row on Amazon next week. So if you want to get a head start, you can check that out. And yeah, everyone have a great Labor Day weekend and be safe. Bye.